Hello and welcome to another episode of Pakistanomy. My name is Zaid Yunus and if you've been a regular listener of this podcast, you know Ariba Shahid by now. Uh, I have Ariba on the podcast every time I want to do a rundown of where the economy is, where it's headed, you know, long-term direction or not long-term but sort of quarter by quarter or half year assessment of where things are. Today we're going to be talking about something a little different. Uh given that Ariba is a big state bank of Pakistan fan if you follow her on twitter you know this by now that she follows very closely what the bank is up to everything from bank ke kunde which i will ask ariba to explain what kundas are for the bank um to whether it's being proactive to a whole host of memes uh, ariba's created over the last 3 plus years related to the bank um so i figured that we should talk with ariba about her views on the journey the central bank has been over the last year and a half years of course during this time um governor bakir was running the show for the last 3 years his tenure just ended so it's a good time to assess where the bank was where it's come to uh, what it's excelled at and there's a lot that it has excelled at and a lot of missteps which is natural for any institution um so ariba first of all welcome back to pakistanomy and let's Hi, dive sir. in Le- yeah Hi, let, let's 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 do this yeah so t- start with like w- what in the last 3 and a half years has happened with the central bank that you and others like you on twitter who follow the bank have been quite you know optimistic encouraged excited by so it's it's really crazy like um past 3 years have been like so a very basic metric by the central bank is the policy rate right so you look at the cent- if you look at the policy rate it went like from 5% ish to like 13.25% and then the pandemic hit and then we went to 7% and now we're back to 12. Point something percent like back to almost the the high of 13.25 that we witnessed in so this has happened within 3 years right it's just like you know a massive hiking uh, policy rate and then massive easing and then again massive hiking so that's been happening so it just goes in line with how crazy the times are like we had a global pandemic going on so there's a lot that's happened at the state bank over the past few years um and the state bank has moved beyond you know the regular policy rate uh regulating banks stuff that it does and it's tried to get you know present and it's tried to move into the current generation or century that we're in and there there there've been lots of things that have happened um a few months ago we heard that the central bank is looking into central bank digital currencies then a few months later we heard that the central bank is not like cryptocurrencies there there's just so much happening digital banking licenses coming out um regulations changing so if we look at the central bank not only are we going to talk macro today but we're also going to talk about regulatory changes that have impacted the whole system so the past 3 years to be very honest have been very interesting considering the amount of steps that have been taken uh and where the central bank has moved beyond just its role as a regulator and a macroeconomic engine what are what are some of those specifics let's dive into that i mean cuz look there's a lot that they've done everything from Russian digital accounts when which initially when it was launched i remember i was one of them and a few others that did not really think it would be uh, a great product and initially it wasn't structured as a good product but then the bank stepped in and redeveloped the product and it's been a stellar success it's been growing even though in the last month for example people have said 
overseas Pakistanis will, should take out their money because of regime change, but it hasn't happened. The data Ali Khizar just put it out yesterday or day before yesterday that um, in April, uh, the numbers grew by about four to five percent um, in, in RDA deposits. Uh, some criticize that, uh, saying that this is just hot money that's coming into the country at high interest rates. But, um, you know, that's something that st stands out to me. And this is not unique. Pakistan, as you said, was behind in this because there are the panda bonds and overseas Indians can have uh, deposits in India, etc. Um, so the bank got on with it. Housing is another thing for me. Um, and I would love your thoughts on this um, and less so housing on the sort of people that you and I tend to sit with and know. Um, but for me personally, at a personal level, um, and, and I've communicated this to folks um, in the bank as well, um, our family mate who's been with us since I was a baby uh, was able to own her own home because of this program, right? And she's a property owner after years of hard work. Uh, was able to get a loan and now makes a payment and this is her way to get wealth right regularized legal documented apartment that she has a stake in now which is amazing this is like you know and a lot of people have a way that um, and we miss that when we talk about real estate for example so from your point of view what were some of the things that when you look back three years ago to now and you say you know what this is where the bank has done has had an outsized impact on people's lives uh, so to speak so to answer the RDA part of what you said, uh, when I spoke to Dr. Bakker about RDA, and I, I was a little critical with the question in the sense I was like, there's a lot of criticism about the state bank doing a lot more for overseas Pakistanis than it's doing for underseas Pakistanis. And uh, was our overseas vote, though I don't know if you feel that it's unfair, but we underseas Pakistanis started to feel jealous of you guys. Um, but he had a really nice answer to this. And his answer was, the Russian digital account is a connection that we're building between overseas Pakistanis and Pakistan. This is a connection that will stay over the years. So once you've established a good connection, it stays. And that is what his point was, is that we're trying to establish a good connection, a good experience, so that no matter what happens, they stay connected to Pakistan. And I feel that the State Bank has done a good job at RDA. Um, because the stickiness of the deposits shows that the connection mattered. It didn't matter who's in charge or who's at the state bank or who's in the government. The connection mattered. Um, secondly, that so, is sorry to interrupt there, but I'll just add in addition to the connection, what matters is that the yields are really good. I mean, amazing yields. They were, they were unfair, not just amazing, they were unfair yields. And we've criticized them a lot. And it deserves a little criticism in the sense that it was in a way it encouraged uh leverage borrowing from countries where the interest rate was low invest them into npcs and then you know and when i addressed this question to the state bank they were like oh but hamara to matlab nahi ke unko kahan se paise aa so not only that but there was a document that was leaked uh i think in january this year where the state bank was pushing banks to like get leverage borrowing so so things like this were a little crazy but um that and also like even though npcs collects the majorities again uh some people are not reinvesting the money in certificates and some are because updates or returns of witness but keeping all that in mind um 
I think the RDA is a good way to regularize remittances into the country. They've, they've come up with um, the RDA loyalty program or something where they give you points as well. So things like these are out of the box solutions that will discourage Hawala Hundi as well. And when we talk- And, and one more thing, before yeah. you go to housing on RDA itself, one thing that I sort of, you know, tongue in cheek, but I think it's, it's a fair point is that, you know, they opened it up to car financing. Um, which I mean, again, it formalizes things, but in a, in a very, in, if you look at it from a interesting way, it's actually exports of cars because yeah. overseas Pakistanis are sending dollars to purchase cars for their family members in Pakistan. So it's technically a dollar flow to purchase cars, but I'm like, if you want to do that, more power to you. A great, it's making a great economy basically because the car market in Pakistan, I don't know if the word is on or own because I don't know, but the the gray market um it's it's increasing the size because what's happening is the demand for cars has increased drastically and uh overseas pakistanis get precedence over underseas pakistanis when they make orders uh things like that are happening as well and this was a consumption driven growth method that the state bank used which again was was something i even wrote about and i i wrote a really critical piece on this because <clears throat> the roshan apni car scheme was a consumption driven growth method and when the state bank was asked about this uh, the spokesperson had clearly said that abita come like all the products that we had released they were none of them were consumption uh, driven or is something that a consumer could use but this was the first consumer product that we launched because a lot of people when they live abroad they want to buy cars for their families um and i understand but again when aapki gaadiyon ki industry is literally import based your I, I don't really see what and they, and they don't care about investing enough in new technology or increased capacity to get rid of the on problem which is again no. a whole different topic um but, no, but the on problem this, is here to stay for a while yeah it's here to stay but the question i had on rda um and maybe you know this maybe you don't i i was told that the next step was going to be allowing overseas pakistanis through their rda accounts to invest in the stock market has that happened or is that still a work in so, process so no, the, the overseas Pakistanis can invest in the stock market through RDA. And one good thing that the RDA did is it it's a digital process from start to end. So you can open a bank account from start to end all digitally. And what it did is the trigger effect is, is that now you can open up a local bank account from start to end digitally. So they're trying to revamp that. And in addition to that, now you can also open a stock account digitally. So it started with RDA and now they've released it for underseas Pakistanis as well. So it... RDA basically acted like a base case. So they, because the number of overseas Pakistanis opening up accounts are few, the number of local people opening up accounts are higher. So they tried everything with RDA first and when it worked out, they implemented it locally. So you can, you can invest in the stock exchange uh, through RDA. Um, the same way a Pakistani can open up a brokerage account too. Yeah, and I, I, I've been arguing uh, for the last few weeks now that what they need to do with this government and the state bank is open up zero balance bank accounts for every single Pakistani citizen who has an other ID and use that to give direct benefits instead of these convoluted subsidies that are leaky yes. and people who deserve it don't get. But that's a separate topic. So that's RDA. Um, I think I agree with you. Um, the connection part is extremely valuable. It formalizes remittances. It opens up new opportunities where, you know, there's less friction in moving money into Pakistan or moving money out of Pakistan through that. Um, and I just think that formalization by reducing friction is awesome, especially in a country where to this day, 
I have friends and family members who are like, "Yeah, Pakistan, how do you send money? How do you send?" I'm like, "Bro, ID. Oh, oh, you have an iCop G. So you go and open ID. Just what do you want to do with the rest of Right? But people are yeah. still the awareness is still catching on. It's not it's not penetrating as much as, as on, much as it should. On a, on a lighter note, is there? What did you think of the IDA song? well no that that is a separate we'll get to the criticisms of the bank and that perhaps is lies in that bucket in that section uh, but let's move to housing what what's happened yeah. in the housing sector yeah so so in the housing sector a lot of us um have been really vocal about how the housing sector um and and the 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 initiatives that the state bank has made for the housing and construction sector have you know primarily been targeting rent seekers and things of the sort but there are cases where like for instance you're made like for instance one of my old old maids they have been able to secure loans they have been able to get housing cheap affordable housing which is like the basic it's it's like a basic necessity right um so with that done that was great and there have been a lot of times that the state bank has revisited the process as well um when you go into a bank and then you actually research a lot of people have suggested that uh, the number of housing loans that were given out to primarily to bank employees and i understand that that is fair criticism but uh, and because hamare banks are primarily really conservative when it comes to lending uh, so it's easier for them to lend to their employees you can you know you can deduct their salaries directly but at the end of the day we need to realize that uh one it should have been spread out more but two the banking employees that got these loans they're also not as well off as one would hope right i mean buying a house like someone who has a job in pakistan will never be able to buy a house if they aren't able to secure a loan and securing a loan is a big uh challenge uh especially when banks in pakistan would just rather loan to the government um so so there is that and of course you know people like your maid people like my maid people who actually need loans should get better access to it things and there should be more awareness um the state bank uh, like while we're going to criticize the song but the state bank has been trying to get the message out in a lot of ways um and you know like it's very difficult to target people like for instance maids i'm just giving an example is because one they may not have access to television they may not be watching the news uh because unka kya lena they matlab they may not want to right so these are a few challenges that they that they face and the only way to oppose those challenges or to face those is that when let's say for instance your family told your maid about the initiative i told my maids about the initiative things like that um so awareness remains a challenge in pakistan um especially in a society where the word bank is considered a yahudi sazish uh so you know that that remains a challenge but the state bank has been trying to be more approachable uh and less serious state bank don't talk to me kind so that is something that people may see two ways i see that as a good sign yeah and i but think gaane nahi nikale ha i'll add to that a bit in the sense that um to me the the bank employee criticism i agree with you i think there's an easy way to deal with that criticism is that if we had for example data on and this should be part of the databases already which is what's the median income of the people receiving these loans right even if they're like, bank like, employees like is there um jokes aside a relationship manager a manager earns around 40 to 50000 rupees in pakistan which 
I don't think that makes you able to buy a house. Yeah, yeah. If you're a single, if you're a single income earner, I don't think you could ever buy a house, despite being a manager. So I think the median income matters, not the position matters. Um, so if 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 someone from the middle class, the lower middle class, is able to buy a house through these loans, using their bank, uh, I I I say it's good. Yeah, I agree, and I think the second thing which I particular two two other things that I particularly like about the direction with this focus uh, on housing is that. One, it it allows uh, a previously unbanked. We talk about financial inclusion, right? A previously largely unbanked segment of the population access to financial instruments, which it promotes inclusion, right? So all of a sudden, people we know who are not elite, who are not privileged, who did not have somebody open up a bank account, and opening up a bank account itself is a hassle in Pakistan. Yeah. Right now, they're part of the banking system. So they own a home. They're making payments. They get familiar with how banks work. It allows the rate of financial inclusion to pick up, and the growth of financial inclusion to pick up, and that has effects in your broader economy. Number one, number two, which is even more important, is that because it's going through the formal channels, all of a sudden, more and more people will have housing as an asset, which is disclosed, which is not a Common thing in Pakistan because yeah. of all the convoluted processes people use. Yeah. Um, so it formalizes wealth, um, and by extension, it allows um, people and the state to tax that wealth um, and for and reinvest it, right? Because all of a sudden, that capital is documented, and I think that has a huge impact. Just over here, I'm living in the United States. Housing is a huge part of the economy, um, and it became too big in the sense that in 2008 caused the global crisis, financial crisis. Yes, but it is important across the world, even in India, where housing is considered as a means to enable upward social mobility. And we need Pakistan to has one of the lowest mortgage rates in the world, like one of the lowest mortgage rates, and that's something that Pakistan really needs to work on. Um, so yeah, of course, like it's it's nice that we're moving towards the formalization of the sector, um, and like of course, every policy can be criticized and appreciated so i feel that when we're criticizing we need to look at the good stuff too so like you said um of course there will be people that do not deserve to benefit but still benefit but we cannot ignore the people that actually benefited and it was targeted at them. yeah and i think and i think you'll agree with me on this as well like my own thing over the last three years or so of following what the bank has been doing is at least there are new things being tried to solve old challenges right and so Rather than sticking to the old thing and continuing to be like a hey, yepelevio chuta, at least we have something new. And yeah. yes, there are faults and yes, there will be mistakes, but we can debate that and at least policy yeah. will evolve with something new coming in the pipeline. Yeah, of course. Like for instance, uh, in the past, uh, in the startup space or any space whatsoever, investment into the country was a challenge. All right, uh, the state bank sat down. It's like, oh, fine. What do you want? How do you want us to address it? It was a hit and miss, and then they finally got it out. They got it right, uh, and you could see that last year went really well for Pakistan as well. So, so the nice thing is, like, even with the housing, uh, even with the regulatory changes, um, it was a step towards the right direction with the right intentions, which was, which is really important. And I feel that that just sets the precedence for the next governor or whoever's coming up next. And like I started off, uh, the state bank looked beyond just regulating banks and making sure they're not doing anything wrong. 
uh, and and also like setting up the macro environment, the state bank looked beyond that. Come on, let's let's build a level playing field. Let's get more people financially included. Let's make the whole process interesting. Let's let's bring in foreign overseas uh, Pakistanis into the mix. Let's bring in tech. So I feel that the past two or three years, Pakistan has moved beyond the Babu uh, mindset that we had. Tax for how regulation for how things like that so i i i genuinely appreciate that yeah it you was mentioned, a new thought process yeah i agree and i think you mentioned the tech ecosystem so perhaps that is a segue into something i personally am excited about would love your thoughts on is rast uh, which has been rolled out it's still scaling up early days in terms of where it goes but if you look around the world uh, upi to me stands out as sort of the gold standard in india about digital payments um, you know, I've seen uh, Chaiwala's take QR codes in India. India's finance minister, Nirmala Sitaraman, was at the Atlantic Council a couple of weeks ago. And she, in her public remarks, talked about uh, this farmer who was selling uh, vegetables on the sidewalk during COVID. And she was like, I stopped and I said, I want to buy some of your produce. Uh, how much is it? She began to take out cash and the farmer lady was like, nay, nay, here's my QR code, isko scan karke and you, you should pay me, I'm not taking cash because of COVID, right? It's been revolutionary in India and in other parts of the world. So Ras, we're a bit behind, but I see tremendous potential in that. And of course, digital banks coming up and, and all of that. Um, how have you seen that digital payments focus play out at the so, bank? So Ras, um, again, uh, so, for instance, like sometimes when I'm transferring someone money and even though they have Rust or they might have Rust, let's say I know that they have Rust, it's just like it just comes naturally to IBFT into bank transfer funds, right? Um, but then I realize after I have uh, transfer funds, ke, ke, oh, I should have used Rust. So, um, I guess there, there are two or three things that, that Rust needs to work on. One is publicity and awareness. Uh, the second thing is, is that if someone has Rust, then, you know, the IBFT option should just directly be Rust instead of that. I think that should be worked out on. Um, but like, yes, so that's really interesting. Two days ago, I went to buy a suitcase and this was like a non-tech store. They did not have a cash register, no point of sale system or whatever. And the guy, I did not have cash because I didn't really go to buy a suitcase. I just liked one and I was like, chalo, buy it. So when I asked him, okay, can I like transfer you money or do I go to the ATM? And he's like, yeah, sure. And I, I was like, Rast hai. And he's like, oh, I was about to set mine up today. Can you help me? So the guy knew about Rast. I just wanted someone to walk him through it. And I walked him through it. And he was like, oh, so I've made a quick charge. And I was like, no. And it was brilliant. Like I showed him how I did it. And it was brilliant. And people are really interested. So what he did is that he he told his brother, So so it's it's like a trigger effect. And people in Pakistan are now willing. So what COVID did is that it brought in a lot of people into e-commerce. All right. And even though cash on delivery is a predominant method of payment in Pakistan, uh, some people have started using, you know, electronic or digital money in, in that form. Um, and as a result, what's happened is that people are now more accepting to that. So in the past, if I would have gone to the store and said, I'm to transfer karungi, he would have been a little hesitant because if the instant messages for me out there, you know, what if it's a fraud, what is that? But people are more trusting now. And I feel that the ecosystem is going, only going to grow because with RAS, like two steps have been rolled out, more are rolling out, push to pay, et cetera, et cetera. So when more steps are rolled out, uh, it's going to be big. So while the awareness at this level is low, uh, just as time goes on, it will be big. 
Um, and keeping that in mind and keeping the, the momentum at which Pakistan's moving towards digitalization, uh, especially in the urban areas, it's going to be really interesting because what RAS provides is RAS provides an opportunity for a lot of fintechs to go. And it's going to be interesting seeing who manages to capitalize on that. Because so far, the number of traditional banks that we have, they've been really underwhelming at the digital transition. Um, and the whole process has been really annoying as a consumer for lots of people. Uh, so the new people coming in, the startups coming in have really given them a tough time to the extent that so many banks are now uh, fighting for digital banking licenses in hopes that you know they can reinvent themselves as a digital bank or something. Um, but it's really interesting uh, considering RAS uh, and going forward, I can only see it grow. Um, but yeah. And, so, and when so you have an inflationary environment, I really feel that after a while, carrying money gets a little annoying. So maybe the inflation will also push people towards digital transactions. Yeah, and I, I agree on the awareness side. And, and so I'll put you on the spot really quickly uh, to explain how people can set up RAS, number one. And two, if anyone from the state bank is, is listening, I think what instead of creating songs or things like that, what they ought to be doing, which I think they haven't done and they need to get a grip on this is get get a handful of social media influencers, YouTubers, TikTokers, Instagram people and have them tell them how Ross is set up and ask them to make videos and vlogs or whatever. Yeah. 10 steps to open up a Ross account, right? Or connect with Ross. And I but think like, that, will, that will significantly that uptake. That is something banks also need to do. So the state bank needs to make sure the banks um, uh, push this out because you can only use RAS through your bank. So for instance, let's say I have a bank account. Uh, when you open up your bank account, the first image that pops up is like set up RAS uh, or use RAS. So now it's like a reminder to use RAS to set up RAS. So what you do is you go into the, the your banking app, you log in and the option comes in to use RAS. Uh, if the option doesn't come, then setting option menu image, choose RAS. Uh, and then set up your account with your mobile number. One mobile number goes up with one account. So I have two accounts and two mobile numbers. So one account with one mobile number, one account with one mobile number. I wanted to send one of my friends money because um, I need to. So I put in his number and his name showed up. I sent him money. His phone number, numbers. right? His phone number, his phone number. So it's it's really easy. Like sometimes now when you go out to eat and you're fighting over who pays the bill, so if you know the other person has rust, you could just go like, ha ha, they do, they do bill. And then you just, bam, send them money. And then if you go into a war where they send you back money, it's not costing you anything because the transfer fees is free. So like, yeah, I would not recommend that for the system uh, down. But I think, I, I think it's an, it's an exciting development, yeah. long time coming. And, and one hopes that we reach a place where, you know, the Bhuttawala outside the masjid has a QR code that you and I yes. can make the payment to. I think that would be truly revolutionary. I've seen that. So QR, QR codes haven't really worked in Pakistan. Um, so in the past, they really tried making, banks really tried making QR codes work. Uh, and what they did is like, for instance, Pizza Hut what, and other, you know, food places, what they would do is they would sell Saurabhika pizza or Saurabhika burgers and you'd have to scan through your banking app and they really try that but people would only use it to scan for the deal but they would never use it to pay so qr codes for some reason haven't really worked in Pakistan. yeah i think there's a barrier again it's information right it's, it's one of those things that for example 
um, the suitcase guy you were at, right? Um, typically yeah. what happens um, that in the Indian example, because I know that most closely is that the onboarder is not a bank uh, or it could be a bank, but it's a interoperable QR codes. So if Habib Bank sets it up or another bank sets it up or a new FinTech sets it up, it works across the board. And what they do, because they're all competing for merchant uh, options, right, is Google Pay in India, Phone Pay, Paytm, et cetera. They all have feet on the street that onboard people like the suitcase guy you were at. We don't have and that. We don't have that, right? And so what they do as part of creating the UPI uh, linkage for that merchant is put a QR code with their own logo saying Google Pay, but it, it works across the board. And so mm -hmm. it becomes a habit over time where people are on their phone and with the pandemic, they become more comfortable with QR codes is that yeah. they'll just scan instead of asking Bhaisan, what's your phone number? Kya hai? Phone number okay. so he'll be like, hey, QR code yeah. is stop scan kar do, and, it, and it works, right? I think we, we can get there. Again, it's about building confidence. It's about educating people. It's about reaching it's, out it's to them. It's a step-by-step thing. And we have potential. We, we absolutely have potential. The economy does not resist digitalization the way it did before. Uh, but again, yeah, we do resist digitalization when it leads to like, formalization of our income and declaration of the income. So that is something that we need yeah. to work out on. And because that's not really the state bank's uh, mandate, I guess, that's more of the government and FBR and fiscal side of things. Um, but yeah, the, the resistance to being digital and the resistance to having like a formal bank account or like a formal, uh, you know, revenue income stream through that is just to avoid tax. So, so let's let's move into some of the things that perhaps you and I did not like over the last three years, and I'll let you lead the way, and then I'll chime in. But you know, you obviously had some memes about State Bank not being proactive recently. Um, things like OMO um, issues. Um, Bank Kunde has been a popular term on social media. Can I can I can I explain yes. Kunde before we go on? Yes, All right. please. So so. I heard the word Kunda for the first time in my life when Shokatreen said it on TV. And I thought that I burger Kunda suna. But, um, so I've asked a lot of people and I've got multiple explanations and I will explain them to you now. The first explanation is Kunda is kisi ko, kisi karna, kisi kabara karna. Um, the second is So I, what I've done is I've mixed the two. All right, so basically, when Shokatreen said that banks are going to be he basically said that he was going to be able to get banks. Ko. That's what he said. Um, but ultimately, banks are going to be able to get banks. Ko ko. Uh, but what happened is, is that there's, there's been a lot that's happening that is under criticism. So when the state bank uh, cut the policy rate drastically during COVID, Raza Bakr was known as one of the most aggressive central bankers in the world. Uh, and he was called really proactive. All right, because proactiveness like around August-ish, because when so June 2021, the market had shown that the money supply had increased um, and demand for, demand for inflation So if you follow Pakistan, you'd know that, so in Bakr's three years, the first year we had cost push inflation because of supply shortages and corruption related issues. Uh, the second year we had COVID, and the third year we had a global commodity pricing issue, just give it a same inflation again, bros. And 
the third year, not only do we have global commodity prices rising around the world, but we also had demand for inflation in Pakistan. Uh, so the state bank was supposed to increase the policy rate to control the money supply, but they did it pretty slowly and they did it late. So when you increase the money, if you increase the policy rate late, the markets are already ahead of you because they've started pricing in a policy rate hike before you. And as a result, the use of the auctions that were happening had gone up significantly. And then the state bank followed the markets and increased the policy rates by a drastic 2.5%. Now, and I'm going to say 250 basis points to sound smarter. Anyway. Um, and, and that 250 and basis points was also still behind the curve. It, it, it was still behind the curve, but back then, Bakir said, okay, oh, we did 2.5 to give the market a message. And now the state bank had come up with the word forward guidance, like, of course, forward guidance exists, but they had used it well in the past. But like August, I think they forgot how to use it. So they would tell the markets that, you know, what, this is going to happen. And the way that they would frame the policy statement would be so ambiguous that the markets were like, oh, mayhem, I have the policy rate. Project, I, go crazy. I, I remember this. This crazy. is a very this is a very important point, Ariba, because I remember when this started happening, because I would actually, you know, the monetary policy statement would come out, read it, highlight a line and send yeah. it to a few people who are in the market a bit more in the know. And I would get a WhatsApp message from three different people with three different interpretations. Right. And my alarm yeah. bells would start ringing because I'm like, if three people who are market participants, not your average Joe, um, are interpreting a line by the state bank in a monetary policy statement differently, then we have a problem because you that can't you can't communicate like that. You can't you can't communicate like that. So basically, it got so bad, it got so bad that Dr. Barker had to go on to Bloomberg and say, okay, oh, we're not going to increase the policy rate for some time. And that was not enough. That was not enough. He had to release a 63-day OMO to calm the markets down and to actually put their money, literally put their money where the mouth is and say, Yelo, hum nahi hai. Kam si kam 63 days that the policy rate's not going to go up. All right. That is how bad things had gone. All right. Can no one was believing what Bakr saying on TV or articles or op-eds. He wrote an op-ed. He went on to Bloomberg. I interviewed him that week. There was so much happening, like there was so much happening during that one week in the media about the policy rates and how they're going to go up or whatever. And Bakri is just saying the same thing, but no one believed him because the communication may not have been as clear or because the markets were like, you know what, he's saying it, but he's not going to do it. So they, the state bank had to do a 63 day OMO, OMO and they did it like around four times or something. And the, the previous highest was 17 days. So 17 kaha and 63 days. Kaha. And in very simple and, terms, Ariva, sorry to interrupt you again, but for those who don't know what an OMO is, you explained Kunda brilliantly, explain so, OMO as well. So, okay. So uh, we've written an explainer on OMOs if you want to read it. Uh, Uzair will put the link in. But to put it in simple terms, what happens is that central bank sometimes gives money injects liquidity into the banking system by giving them money. So the banks now have this money to spend in the auctions. Now, since they've got cheap money, they might bid at cheaper rates. Uh, so the yields for the government might come down. So the government might get cheaper credit. So the state bank is basically subsidizing the lending to the government in a way uh, through these injections. Read the article and I'll just even more simplify it. It's essentially yeah. like your mamu giving money to you to give to your ammi. 
because Amina directly Mamu se nahi lena for whatever reason and so Haan. she says you know Mamu ne aapko ghar pe bulaya and Mamu says ye lo 5000 rupees I know your mom wants it just pretend that it came from you no no and basically what... basically ye lo 5000 rupees 4000 ammi ko de dena yeah ek hazar jeb mein rakh lo yes so for more read the description again when i when i said banks ka kunda shaukat tin ne threat kiya tha to banks ka kunda nahi hua banks ko wo hazar rupees mil gaye banks are partying like banks are literally partying and now when the policy rates like 12% ish um and only going to go high from this point banks can just like park in their money for a really long time and make decent returns and why would they lend to you or me when they can just lend to the government yeah or why would they invest in digitization when when they're having a party time lending to the sovereign which is a kunda party. you know which is a kunda party yeah. and i think th- th- that's something no uzair if you and i were treasurers i would literally throw a party called kunda party and i'm surprised that they haven't thrown a kunda party yet maybe they have and you're not invited so far ariba um ho sakta hai <laughs> sorry <laughs> but look i think i think that's a key problem in 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 the structural underpinning there have been raging debates our friend two paise you amar myself azam a few others have been on twitter talking about this in the sense that my view on this always has been yes you can blame the state bank for this but the state bank is playing catch up in an environment where the fiscal side of the equation the economy is monetary plus fiscal right the if the fiscal side is being indisciplined in its approach then there is very limited room so, for the bank to do something yeah. on its own and we have so, to accept so, that that that's really brilliant of you to say so basically whenever we ask bakir why the central bank is catching up with the banks and he has a really standard response central bankers do not have crystal balls and although he is right but like i kind of was hoping you have a crystal ball <laughs> but like my point is that we need to realize that this is an economy recovering from covid um and you know covid being as sporadic as it is like you know it dumps it and come out and be disastrous um so the central bank may have been cautionary to go back to a tightening cycle and i understand that but on the same side we criticize the central bank a lot for not being as monetary prudent but we need to figure out we need to see that the fiscal side was actually frivolous so while the central bank wasn't really conservative which is generally like okay but the fiscal side was really frivolous it was handing out subsidies yeah. left right and center yeah. and so that also increased the monetary supply that also uh, sorry the money supply in the country so right now in the environment that we're in the policy rate is not basically to mop up our liquidity or our uh, spending the policy rate right now is essentially to make government lending more expensive so the government then borrows less and when it borrows less and it's unable to borrow it you know it acts more prudent with its yeah, money or it can however it, it can spend less right i think i think that's yeah. what i've been arguing as well is that it's it's a bad to way of but it's not really happening because the state bank is subsidizing the lending through the omos like 4 trillion this month so essentially that should be happening but it's not happening in essence yeah i mean again it it's it's the problem is that if if the ministry of finance decides to not give two shits pardon my language <laughs> 
about about the fiscal deficit then wo state bank kya karegi they they can only do so much right and they can raise rates to make it more costly but even after it makes it more costly if the finance ministry and the government still says we're going to give petroleum subsidies and expand this and that then they they, they just don't have anything in their toolbox to deal with a a, a immature ministry of finance or an of immature course. government right of course so, so the cent so the central bank right now let's say in a way is not only regulating the banks but it's also trying to regulate government spending through whatever means it has possible um so i i I'd, i'd be really interested to see whether this continues or this stops or what what happens um yeah we have a few more minutes left so yeah we'll see where where that goes obviously inflation expectations are through the roof um especially if the petroleum subsidy goes away and we'll see where so where that goes we have to speak up. about one thing yes go ahead ex oil current account deficit yes i was i forgot i had a note on that so what's your take uh, are we in surplus ex oil and ex palm oil they get- Hey, I I'm a really I make a lot of fun of this stat because it's a funny stat. It's a made up stat. I make a lot of fun of it, but I also believe that the point the bank is trying to make, or the point the state bank is trying to make with the stat is like, yeah, we can't afford to have a current account deficit. It's literally all oil that we're bringing in, right? Or you know, all oil, or we can't bring this down. Like this is of it's or come new. So that's what they're trying to say. Um, so I understand their dilemma. but the stat is really funny man hey actually i i would funny. push back on that that we can bring the oil uh, import bill down i mean of the course, april data of course we can do that yeah the april data shows that 32% increase in consumption why is no, consumption I mean, gone up no i mean i mean they're trying to say that the current account ex oil current account deficit that can't go down uh, the oil of course it can do, go down like up petrol ki price badha do and you're no longer subsidizing my road trips Exactly. I'm not going to go on a road trip. Not like exactly. I do right now either. And I think it's also a, a bit. I remember Shaukat Tarin last year. I think it was fall, late summer. I forget the month, but he was in Washington, made public remarks, and very openly said that our problem right now is too much growth. Um, and I, I took a note down and said, yes, you have to figure out a soft landing. And then he went back, and the last six months since then. of his government were a fiscal party and it, i was like it's, it's what crazy it's crazy cuz like the minute shocker train came in there was minimal effort to reduce the party or even curb back like shocker train's finance ministry is literally been a party um and the, the 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 fuel subsidy that they left behind politically it was a really smart move fiscally it was terrible for the country Yeah, so, and so and, and and it, it, and inflation is the highest tax on ordinary citizens, and when it gets yeah. unleashed, it will get unleashed. And I've been telling my friends that they should build a petrol slush fund. Imagine you're already paying two hundred and fifty rupees a liter, not one fifty, um, because that's where it's going. Um, if 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 oil remains where it is right now in the global market, so that's a separate topic. Finishing up this conversation, Adiba, where does the bank go from here in your view? Obviously. um the governor's tenure is up um we don't know who the next governor will be there is um i think predictable angst among many of us about who they pick uh this new government picks because their track record with what they do with the state bank is not that great um ishaq dar is on tv every other day talking about whether dollar is going 160 120 whatever that number might be in his head um what do you think needs to continue and what do you think needs to be improved First of all, Ishaq Dar needs to like be shift shift in the box and put into the Bermuda Triangle. 
<laughs> but like that aside, um, it's really interesting uh, to see that Barker was not kept as the governor. Uh, word is that he did not want to stay governor. And then there's also word that he was not chosen to be governor, the two things. But it's really nice to see that the next governor will have five years. I really felt that three years is too less for any governor. Um, so the next names that are coming in, uh, it'd be really interesting if they're IMF people, because, you know, the same gov like in opposition, the PMLN and PPP called the government PTIMF or whatever, just because, you know, IMF the governor, IMF the program. So like, let's see. Whether well, if we if we follow the trajectory of Pakistani politics, then perhaps the PTI will start saying IMF. Ka vice of course. Vice. Of course, of course, of course. So like following Agent Barker 007, let's see if we're having maybe probably Dr. Asim Hussain agent coming in or whatever. So that's interesting, but it's really, so I personally feel that Barker's legacy, uh, and I don't want to celebrate him for doing his job because he did his job. He did a good job, but like he was supposed to do a good job. That's why he was hired. But like my point is that the next central banker that comes in, um, has big shoes to fill because Barker's shown a lot can be done in three years. Let's see what someone does in five years. So there's that. The momentum of growth at the central bank has actually grown. Um, things things have changed in the sense that a boomer mindset to a change when it's been challenged. And changing a conservative central bank is actually a pretty big challenge, and that's been done. Um, personally, I feel that there's a lot to come out. So during Barker's tenure, they're working on a data platform for the central bank where you know, just a World Bank website and you can actually, act, you know, graphing tools and data tools. That was something that's going to be rolled out. Uh, that's something that he actually wanted to roll out. Which, which Ariba personally is very excited about because yes. she has spent a lot of time going through different documents, PDFs, Excel sheets to find data, which yes, is really hard to do. It is so stupid. Everything is uploaded in PDF. And chalo, PDF to some people take pictures and then turn it into PDF. They print it, then they make it into PDF. Bhai, Ajeeb. So keeping that in mind, I'm really excited about that because that, that shows that you want people to be more informed. Um, the, the state bank already does a great job at its data uh, in the sense that you can find a lot of things there. It's, it's a gold mine for people that want to look up stuff. Um, but the momentum's there. I personally feel that the central bank, again, is going beyond its role. Uh, and when I say beyond its role, I'm not saying that's going beyond its mandate. It's actually increasing its mandate, which is really interesting to see. And I've, I'm really excited to see how the financial institutions in our country catch up. Um, so again, when I see Dr. Asmus and I, I see that he's not an old boomer, which is reassuring, um, whoever does come in, I hope that they do not turn the state bank into an extension of the, you know, this the foreign uh, finance ministry. Um, but like things that Dar is saying that, you know, we're going to go back on the, you know, the state bank bill, state bank act, those are not reassuring. And personally, Dar coming back uh, is bad, is bad. Because the arbitrary number that the rupee should be in his head is all mumbo jumbo. It's it's like I, I don't even want to get into it because it'll be very political, but it, it it's all mumbo jumbo. The rupee should be near the rear. And if someone that calls the real effective exchange rate not real, I think that person needs to go back to school. 
Yeah, yeah. I think I think the, that and that's fueling uncertainty in the market right now. And I think uh, the market's some, going crazy. The stock yeah. market is down. Is, is yeah. There's a lot of uncertainty, and of course, there's global issues as well. The rupees at that. its highest. One ninety two. Yeah. One ninety two. Was I like the dollar is at its highest. The rupees at its the, lowest. The rupees at its lowest. Was I? This is the perfect time to send an ED to all the kids in your family. Yes. Um. I mean, I got up some hate for this. I think back on February twenty eighth, twenty twenty two, when the petrol price cut was announced, and I was like, "If you're not ditching the PKR, you're making a mistake." And people are like, "Oh, yeah. you're fueling uncertainty." I'm like, "No, I have friends and family in the Is country." Is that Chore? You you're part of the conspiracy. Yes, I am part of the conspiracy, and I think that might be the right note to end this because <laughs> we want the state bank to remain independent, and we want. Yes. a credible governor because it is beholden to the IMF and because i am part of the conspiracy and you work for a, a business I, magazine you have to appeal to the conspirators as well because they have the money and to be very honest and to be very honest i'd like to end on a very informative note that everyone here should understand the imf is not your enemy aap barber unke paas loan lene jaate ho wo barber nahi bolte aap hamare paas aao loan lene ke liye and if we ever completed an imf program completely and listen to their suggestions we would not have to go to them again and again And again, I fully agree, and there are plenty of agent countries. Agent Ariba, yeah, agent, agent Ariba, Ariba says bye bye to yes. agent Intezar and everyone watching. On that bombshell, we'll end this episode. Ariba, thank you so much for taking out the time. This was wonderful. Yes, the IMF is not the enemy. In fact, look, if people read its reforms agenda, it's actually going to improve lives for many, many citizens. Um, but if we keep going back, is there to them, one question going, before uh, we leave, though? Yeah. I I'm the person that's been on Pakistanomy the most right as of today yes so you're the right you and I think professor Ilhan Niaz are the most uh, coveted guests on this podcast so thank you so much for joining um again for those of you who want to learn more about uh, OMOs the link is below if you want to follow what the state bank does check out Ariba's twitter it's very entertaining and and thanks for tuning in again for office